0: Welcome to Alabama AgCast, a weekly conversation about news and issues affecting Alabama farmers and forest landowners. Alabama AgCast is produced by the Alabama Farmers Federation. Hello and welcome to this week's Alabama AgCast. I'm your host, Mike Moody. Today, John Allen Nichols, Agriculture Counsel for the Alabama Farmers Federation, brings us the first of four Ag Law and Use segments for 2022. Topics throughout the year will include estate planning, transportation law, and taxes. Today, we're going to be discussing estate planning, and I'm here with Leah Mitchell, a state Young Farmers Committee member and the chairman of the Decab County Young Farmers Committee. Leah is an attorney herself who specializes in estate planning and has a particular specialty in farm estate plans. Hello, Leah, and welcome to the AgCast.
1: Oh, thanks for having
0: me. We're excited to have you here. And Leah, before we jump in and get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Well, I am from DeKalb County, which is in the northeast corner of the state. Um, I went to Auburn, uh, where I majored in ag econ uh, or ag economics. Um, And while I was at Auburn, I actually took an estate planning elective through the forestry department, and um, I found that I really enjoyed it. And Um, So my senior year, I decided to go to law school and I ended up going to the University of Alabama uh, School of Law. Um, After I finished law school, I accepted a position with a firm in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is about an hour north of where I'm from. And so I have been practicing primarily estate planning for about nine years. Um, for a firm called Chambliss, Bonner, and Stouffel in Chattanooga. I still live in Alabama. I commute to Chattanooga about four days a week. So
0: Awesome. And with that, don't you practice in Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee?
1: I am licensed in Alabama and Tennessee. Okay. I'm not yet licensed in Georgia. Okay. I should be. I Hopefully will be soon. I do some work in Georgia because we have a lot of clients in Georgia, but I do primarily do Tennessee and Alabama.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for being here today. Um, Before we transition to our next uh, segment of the podcast, we're going to take a quick break. It's never a dull day on the farm, especially when your day starts before
1: the sun comes up. We're Alabama Ag Credit. And while some don't get it, we do. As the local experts in rural real estate financing, we've helped farmers finance everything from homes and land to tractors and crops. Because sometimes your natural resources need financial resources.
0: So before we dive off into estate planning, let me remind everybody that the information presented in this podcast is strictly intended to be exclusively educational in nature. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as legal or professional advice. And now that we've addressed that, let's move to today's topic, estate planning. Well, Leah, just tell us a little bit about what you do. Like, what does a typical day in the office for you look like?
1: I would say that most days, um, obviously I spend a good bit of time answering emails and phone calls. That has become something that takes up a lot of my day. Um, But I also meet with clients on a regular basis. You know, I'll meet with them to talk about what they want to do for their estate plan. And then we'll generally get back uh, together when it's time to sign their documents and go over everything and answer any questions they have. Um, and I also spend a fair amount of time drafting those documents. So after I meet with uh, with, with clients to talk about what they want, I come back here, you know, and, and in my office, I draft the documents and I send it to a, to a review. And then we get back together when it's time to review and sign them. So, I mean, that's generally, I, I do everything involved with estate planning. So that's sometimes special needs. That's sometimes elder law. Um, that's sometimes tax, but for the most part, estate planning is uh, encompasses all of those things. So
0: okay, so let's break that down a little further. What does estate planning mean?
1: So, I think when people think of estate planning, they think of their will. They think of you know what happens when I die, and that is certainly part of it. um but it's not the only part. So, as part of an estate plan, I generally prepare at least three documents. Um, the first one is the one we spend the most time talking about usually is the last will. Um, and sometimes that can be a trust, but that just depends on the situation. But generally a last will deals with the disposition of your assets or your property after you pass away. Um, the other two documents that I usually prepare are called powers of attorney or incapacity documents. Um, these, are documents that allow you to appoint someone to make financial or healthcare decisions for you if you are unable to yourself. So this is while you're living, but you are incapacitated and can't make or can't do things for yourself. It the powers of attorney allow you to appoint someone else to do those things for you, um, and so a lot of times those can be more important because you know if you're in the hospital or you're in a nursing facility and somebody needs to be paying your bills, or somebody needs to be talking to your doctor and getting your prescriptions per- filled, and that is oftentimes as as much if not more important than dealing with your will. So um, that's usually what, I, what an estate plan entails is planning for both death and incapacity.
0: So if it doesn't just mean, you know, having a will, so what are some of those other instruments and, and how can you use those in an estate plan?
1: Um, I mentioned briefly about the difference between a will and a trust, um, and that's something that we could talk about for quite some time. But just basically, um, you know, there are uh, reasons to have a trust agreement instead of a will. And sometimes there are reasons to have trusts that go on after you pass. For instance, you can have a will, but maybe you have a child with a special needs, or you have, um, you know, someone who is just a a spendthrift or maybe they're in a risky profession and they're subject to creditors or something like that. Um, You can use a trust under a will or a separate trust agreement to help protect assets um, that you are passing on down to your family members. So, um, you know, there's so many vast types of trusts that we could talk about, um, but you know that is that is something that usually will be discussed when we talk about an estate plan. Is is there a need for a trust while you're living or after pa- after you pass for the benefit of your beneficiaries? So,
0: so why would someone need an estate plan? What would you tell somebody?
1: I've heard a lot of people say, you know, why would I need a will? Uh, everything I own is joint with my spouse or joint with my children. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I don't really have that much. So why do I need an estate plan? Um, I would say that just about everyone needs to do at least some estate planning, whether that's just the powers of attorney, maybe you don't need a will, maybe you can handle it with beneficiaries um, on your life insurance or your retirement account, but you still need those powers of attorney if you become incapacitated. So um, I would say that, you know, there are many reasons why people need an estate plan, but uh, it's not just for the rich. It's not just for worrying about taxes. It's, there's a lot more to it. Um, And especially, you know, if you own everything jointly with your child, or if you go ahead and give access to your child while you're living, you know, what happens if that child predeceases you? Nobody likes to think about that, but as an attorney doing an estate plan, it's my job to prepare for those unexpected things that you don't expect to happen, but you know, life is unexpected and the unexpected can happen. And so if you, you know, deed your house to your child and they pass away, then you're living in a home owned by your son or daughter-in-law possibly and, um, and or minor grandchildren. So there are a lot of reasons why you need to talk with an attorney just about your personal situation and get a plan that works for you. Because what works for someone, you know, down the street may not work for you.
0: Um, so
1: I think everyone needs one. But of course I say that, but I really do believe everyone <laughs> needs one.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So then what happens if somebody doesn't have a plan? If somebody doesn't have a will, you know, what's going to happen to their property?
1: When you pass away, the uh, if you do not have a will, that is known as, um passing away in test state. so if you have a will it is known as a test state probate um, if you do not have a will it is an intestate probate and what goes through probate are only those assets that are not jointly owned with another person or designated by a beneficiary designation to pay to someone directly so usually that's like your home, you know, if you own your home in your sole name, when you pass, it will go under probate, under your will, if you have one, or if you don't have one, it goes under the intestate statute. Um, The intestate statute in Alabama is, uh, you know, pretty much every state has one, and it is the will that the state of Alabama has written for you. If you don't have one, the, um, the intestate statute would govern. And a few things that surprise people about that is let's imagine you're married, but you don't have children. The actual default is not that everything goes to your spouse. You have only a portion that would the first hundred thousand and then half of the rest go to your spouse, but then half of the rest goes to your parents. And that's, very unusual you know different than most people would want and then also if you have a spouse and kids it doesn't all go to the spouse and it doesn't all go to the kids it's split among them and that's not usually how people want it so um you know that's the downside of having not having a will is your property is going to pass according to the statute in alabama that may not be how you want so that's the important part about needing a will. Mm
0: -hmm. So then let's transition over and think about estate planning kind of in the agricultural context. So what is different about farm estate planning than traditional estate planning?
1: I would say what makes estate planning unique in the farming context is that it involves unique property. A 300-acre farm that's been in your family for generations is significantly different than cash in the bank or marketable securities, or you know, a house and a lot in town. It, it usually has strong emotions attached to it, both for you and your children and and other you know members of your family and not just the farmland, but, you know, equipment, tools. You know, I've seen people fight over, you know, the old plow that great granddaddy had. You know I mean? (laughs) These things are unique and they're different. And it involves a lot more work on the front end in terms of just making sure we know exactly what the, um, you know, what exactly what you want, make sure your documents reflect what you want and make sure it will actually work after you pass. The reason it's so important to do in the farming context Is because you just don't want children or family members fighting over these things that they're so emotionally attached to. And I have a lot of clients that don't do anything because they're so stuck in indecision. But what I have found is that with children, if mom or dad actually put it in writing, even if they don't like it, they accept it a lot easier, a lot better when it is in their actual parents' words rather than their brother or sister saying, well, mom said this or dad said yeah. this. Well, they don't listen to brother or sister, mm-hmm. but if Kid the word, parents yeah. actually go through the process of putting it down, it usually helps things go a lot smoother, uh, especially when emotions are really involved in unique properties.
0: So, and in talking about the ag industry, you know, we've seen the firsthand struggle that a lot of folks encounter trying to acquire land and, you know, to add land to property or even just maintaining those operations. So, um, how can estate planning be kind of a key component to that farm continuity?
1: Yeah, so I think estate planning and succession planning for, for farmers and for landowners is really key to the future of agriculture in this country. We are losing farmland to development you know, all the time for many reasons. But, you know, one of the things I hate to see the most is when you have a farming family that either doesn't do proper planning or even, you know, if they try and they they leave it to children who are not interested, who are not involved in agriculture or the farming operation, you know, the worst thing I hate to see is when the property divided up or auctioned off. Um, it's almost always divided up when that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's usually developed either for uh, residential or commercial purposes. Um, you know, if you leave a piece of land jointly to a number of people and they can't agree on how to use it, Um, then usually you'll have one or two that go and end up suing and wanting to divide it, and that's usually how it ends up. It ends up divided and sold, and um, you lose that farmland uh, most often when that happens. So so, the court
0: will come in, and and they'll actually, the court will determine the divisions. Is that right? They'll come in and split it up the way that they see best fit.
1: Yes, that is right. Um, if you have jointly owned property, it just takes one of those joint owners to go and file for division, and the court would be the one to decide how it's divided, how it's sold. Um, oftentimes that is at auction. I just saw one recently in my county. You know, um, it was only 60 something acres, but it was row crop and um, it was divided up into, you know, five acre lots. And some of them were kept together, but most of them were sold to different people and that is something that will affect agriculture moving forward as if we do not do what we can to preserve the farmland that we have it's going to be lost to things like that so that's kind of why i feel like very strongly that even though it's more difficult and it's it's kind of a a, a harder process to do estate planning when you have a lot of land or when you have a lot of cattle and you have a lot of equipment. It is certainly worth it if it's important to you to keep that farmland going or to keep that operation going. Um, it's just, it's just really important.
0: Okay. So then, what would you tell somebody that, you know, that knows now that, hey, I need an estate plan. I need to go do this. What would you tell somebody who's getting ready to go see an estate planning attorney? You know, what do they need to do to get ready to go talk to that person?
1: I think the most important thing um, is to first get kind of an idea of your assets and not just what they are, but how they're titled. You know, do you own land jointly with siblings or with, you know, your parents or cousins? You know, it's important how those assets are titled. Um, if they're joint with your spouse or if you went ahead and added your children on there. I mean, getting sort of an inventory of your assets, it's a little bit different than if you're going to get a loan, you know, people have personal financial statements, this is more we want, you know, you need to know what your life insurance is and who those beneficiaries are. Um, get an idea of what property you own and how it's titled. And an attorney can help you determine some of that if you don't know. But just getting a, a list of your assets and the general value is very helpful before you go meet with an attorney because like I said, the conversation I would have with someone you know, who has a net worth of less than a million and just a house and an acre in town is a completely different conversation than someone I would have who has a much higher net worth or who has property in multiple states or Mm -hmm. multiple counties. So um, it's just important before you start the process to kind of take an inventory of what you own and how it's titled Um, and then start thinking about people in your life, whether they're family members or just friends, who would be good to appoint in certain roles. Like if you became incapacitated and somebody needed to make financial decisions for you, would that be a child or would that be someone else who you think would do a better job? Maybe your children are really busy. They're raising kids and they're working all the time. Maybe they're not the best choice for some of these roles um, to, you know, help handle things while you're living or at your death. And so just think about who those important people are. And cause when you meet with an attorney and you start talking about those things, it's good to kind of have an idea of who would be good um, to name uh, in a lot of those different roles.
0: So Leah, before we wrap up, um, what else do we need to know about estate planning? You know, what's, what's something else that you would share with our folks?
1: I would say that my advice would be to start now do it now I know that you'll never actually feel ready to do estate planning it's not something people like to think about you don't like to think about that you might pass away or that you might become incapacitated but you know when you put it off then someday it could be too late and you'll never be in a position to where you feel like this is something that I feel ready to do. Um, so you really just need to start start thinking about it, start writing down some thoughts you have, um, and you know, contact some friends that you know that you may have worked on it. And um, just start now and don't wait because someday it could be too late.
0: Well, Leah, thank you again for taking the time to talk with us. I've enjoyed getting to catch up and hear about what you do for farmers in our state. Thank you, it's been fun. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this Ag Law and segment of the AgCast. Uh, We hope it's been educational. Uh, This has been John Allen Nichols, Agriculture Counsel, and one of our own, Attorney Leah Mitchell from Rainesville, Alabama. And now, your weekly AgCast Wrap-Up. Hey, everybody. This is still John Allen Nichols bringing you this week's Wrap-Up. This is an exciting time as the legislature is over halfway through its allotted 30 legislative days. Today's day 17 with 13 days to go. We wanted to take this time to remind you about what we're calling our 2022 Farm Package. The Farm Package consists of three bills we believe will benefit farmers in Alabama. Brian Harden, Russ Durance, and Preston Roberts gave a great overview of the Farm Package in the most recent Alabama AgCast Extra. If you haven't heard about these bills, I encourage you to take some time and listen in. To give everybody a reminder, the 2022 Farm Package consists of the Sweet Grown Alabama Act, a bill to address grain bin tax clarification, and a bill for farmer business license clarity. HB 412 in the House and SB 274 in the Senate are called the Sweet Grown Alabama Act. It is sponsored by Representative Van Smith and Senator Steve Livingston. The bill empowers family farms and stimulates local economies by clarifying tax provisions related to value-added agricultural products. The Sweet Grown Alabama Act would exempt value-added agricultural products from sales tax so long as the products are grown, processed, and sold by the farmer, immediate family members, or employees who help the farmer cultivate the product. HB 400 in the House and SB 275 in the Senate is the Grain Bend Tax Clarification Bill. Representative Wes Kitchens and Senator Larry Stutz are the sponsors. The bill would eliminate inconsistencies across jurisdictions by emphasizing that ad valorem taxation does not apply to grain bins. The Alabama Revenue Code already exempts farm implements used in conjunction with agricultural property from taxation, but this would make it clear that grain bins are also exempt from ad valorem taxation, providing consistency across the state. HB 415 in the House and SB 273 in the Senate is sponsored by Rep. Gil Isbell and Senator Tom Butler. This bill affirms the existing law that prohibits counties from requiring a license or fee related to the disposition of farm products by a farmer. Municipalities are already explicitly prohibited from requiring such a license, but this bill makes it clear that the prohibition also applies to counties. We are excited to see our farm package moving forward, as we expect to see all three bills in Senate Committee today and two of the bills in House Committee. If one of your legislators is a sponsor of a farm package bill, remember to thank them for supporting Alabama farmers. We always encourage all of our members to forge relationships with their legislators. So take this as an opportunity to contact your legislator in support of the 2022 farm package. Alabama AgCast is sponsored by our friends at Alabama AgCredit. Give them a call for all your farm and land financing needs. For more information about today's conversation, check out the show notes or visit alphafarmers.org agcast. Be sure to follow Alabama Farmers Federation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next week for another timely conversation from Alabama AgCast.